morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a Nutshell for this Friday morning. It's the 13th, Friday the 13th. Uh, broadcasting through SEN 11.70 a.m. in Sydney, SENQ 6.93 a.m. in Brisbane, and SEN 16.20 a.m. on the Gold Coast. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. our open line number, or you can text 0457 736 736. Big show for you this morning. Chris Perkins in America in about 15 minutes. John Gallo will talk all things EPL. And this man is in the studio for the second week in a row. Charlie, good sir. Good morning. Uh, good morning and uh, good morning, everyone. Happy happy Friday. Happy Friday the 13th. Don't yes. get too scared out there. Not superstitious, are you, Charlie? Only when it comes to me, uh, yeah, yeah, I am. You are? I, yeah, okay. Yes, I am. Yeah. Okay, okay. Expecting what are you expecting from today? Then anything bad? Uh, I don't know. Maybe dogs to start, you know, getting along with cats. Okay. Uh, a, a plague of locusts comes into Sydney. Right. Can I just say you made that uh, ham and jewel cheese toasty uh, mm. for James Magnuson and Michael Carrier. So we're here after six a.m. for breakfast. Did you actually try it? Well, you tried it the day before, didn't you? I, I tried it the day before, and, and, and one thing I'll say is that. I used the same amount of cheese for both the hot and the cold toaster that I made for both of them, do mm. a, a taste test. Mm. And they complained that, mate, you used way too much cheese in the cold one. Mm. No, I didn't. What happens is that when you put it in the fridge, it just, all the melted cheese just forms together, yep. hardens up and creates one massive block. So when yep. you're eating it, it feels like eating a block of cheese. Didn't look that appealing, it, I have it, to say. It, it's it's not. Like it like it doesn't look great. Mm. It tastes fine. It just tastes like a cold ham cheese toasty mm. or, or cheese Jeez. toast in this instance. It's a bit plain um, as well, isn't it? Don't you have like wouldn't you put ham or tomato in it or something? Well like normally, but uh, mm. but when I was making I want to be as accurate yes. as possible. So yeah. I reviewed the footage and Manus just made a cheese toasty. Well done. He did a very, very good job. All right, uh let's get stuck into some of the issues. Firstly, what's caught your eye? Is there anything that's caught your eye in the last few days in sport as we've gone through this week? Yeah, definitely. Uh today is the day that the Amazon Prime yes. uh the the test season two docuseries comes out. It's also the same day mm. that the I guess it's a, a rival docuseries. The the tennis yeah. uh, uh, docuseries uh, Breakpoint mm. uh, is released as well. Um, and I really got to credit Michael Jordan and uh, The Last Dance. I mean, they've been docuseries for, for ages, but mm. I think that was really the first mainstream one. And since then, they've been popping up everywhere. And I think there's you know there's a new one for a different sport everywhere. So that, that's what I'm really interested in. Uh, and I love these docuseries that are really fly-on-the-wall stuff mm. Mm. Um, where – it, it takes place during last year's, uh, I guess, tennis circuit. So it starts with the Australian Open. And I think there's so many fascinating stories to come out of the Australian Open. Also, tennis last year as a yeah. whole. I think it's the first year where I really stood up and watched a lot of tennis. Mm. I've always been a big fan of tennis. But I think now you get to sort of relive those moments and see the backdoor dealings, what was going on behind the scenes that yep. led to these sort of iconic moments from last year. So. Yeah, I think that's really caught my eye this week. And I thought, I think when the last dance was released as well, it was good timing for them as well because Excellent it was during timing. COVID, Excellent the peak timing. of COVID. Um, so everyone was in lockdown and looking for things to watch. You're right. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward, obviously, to the test. But obviously, uh, once you mentioned the tennis documentary as well, I think that's going to be uh, really good. We will talk more tennis in a second as well. A few NRL the stories floating around now. They've come out yesterday and said there'll be no real changes this year, but they will tweak about a thousand rules. One of them I do like, though, is for the HIA rule where now it doesn't have to be three players off with concussion for the rest of the game, only two. And I think this is a smart idea because we saw a lot of the time last year where there were two players that were off and 
people were sort of not waiting, but they expected maybe there'll be a third one. And it never happened, but it also meant your team was down to uh, 15 players for the remaining uh, whatever period of the game. So are you happy that this has changed from three to two for the upcoming 2023 NRL season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm comfortable with it. I think I would have been comfortable if it was three, yeah. um, but I think I'm absolutely fine with two. I think this is a direct result of... Uh, State of Origin Game 3 last year, which in the first three, four minutes, yep. four or five players went off with an HIA or something. I, I think it's a smart move. Like I, I agree we didn't really see that 18th man used that often. And I, I, I do think it's a massive disadvantage uh, when any player gets an injury and you're reduced on your bench. I think mm. even more so when they're out with concussion, which is, you know, it, it's not something like where someone, you know, has like a leg injury or, or they've broken their hand or their arm or like one of their fingers or something like that that stops them from playing. It's... It, it's head trauma, which is it was terrible, but it doesn't really stop you from playing. No. So I think this is an abs- a, a fine move. I think I think it makes sense. I think I think two is the appropriate number. I think I think one is probably a little bit too would, would be yeah. too radical because yeah. I think that happens all the time. You're going to get an 18th man nearly every game. I think two is the right amount. I, I think they've got this right. I also wonder how much that stems from, you mentioned the state of origin, but also that South Roosters game in the oh, final. Oh, yeah. How can I forget that? <laughs> yeah, in the final because I don't know uh, how many players were off injured, not just for HIA. There are other issues as well, but that was, I reckon that might have played a bit of a part in it. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it will, you'll see a lot more 18th man situations this year than you have in previous years. Um, 18th team is back on the horizon. We haven't even seen the 17th team play their first game yet, and we won't uh, officially for another seven and a bit weeks. But um, Perth, of course, has always been mentioned as an 18th team. We saw Anthony Albanese backing uh, Papua New Guinea team to be the 18th team. And there was a news story yesterday floating around about North Sydney, and they are always there and thereabouts about potentially returning to the NRL, whether it be at North Sydney Oval or somewhere else. Uh, We have to wait and see. If you're the NRL, where would you be placing your 18th team and would it have the Bears franchise attached to it or not? That's a great question. I, I think there's such a great romantic side to the North Sydney Bears returning. Yep. I don't think they could ever return as the North Sydney Bears, however. Mm. I, I think Sydney is absolutely stacked mm. um, in, in terms of teams. I would love to say it. They wouldn't play at North Sydney Oval either, no. which would be a real shame, which is what I would personally like to see. Mm. I think I would have the Bears attached to it. Mm. I, I think that's smart. I think that's um, there's a lot of love for the Bears. I know mm. that um, uh, occasional uh, drive home host in the summer, Sam Perry, is a big fan of uh, the North City Bears. I I think Perth is is a good option. Mm. Uh, the only thing is you really need to sit down and think about time zones and where to play the games. Yep. I, I know that the AFL do a pretty good job where pretty much every Sunday twilight, 4.40 for us, mm. is a 2.40 Sunday game in Perth for the West Coast Eagles or the Freo Dockers, which I think is smart. Mm. I, I think that's a smart way to do it. I think I would put a second team in New Zealand. New Zealand? I I, I think let's rebrand. I know that they're, they're now like the, the Vodafone One Warriors yeah, or something yep, like that. Yep. Um, make them the Auckland Warriors. Yep, which that, they were originally. Which they were originally. Yep. Like, let's return to that. And then let's get uh, the, the Wellington Bears or the Christchurch Bears or something like that. Because I, I, I think that could help create a bit of competition in mm. New Zealand. I know mm. the Warriors have been... A bit poor for a while, and, and we all lament the fact that they probably shouldn't be. Mm. They should be a lot better than they are. Mm. 
So I think, yeah, let's let's get a second New Zealand team. And I think there's the, there's the appetite for it. It's interesting. I reckon the New Zealand second team has fallen off the radar a bit through no fault of anyone's but the fact that we've been through a pandemic and the New Zealand Warriors, the Warriors, have been based in Australia for the best part of three years. So people have sort of forgotten about the fact that before COVID happened, there was a lot of talk about having that 18th team or 17th team at the time based in New Zealand. I don't mind that idea, I think. If you're going to grow the sport, it depends which way they want to where they want to go. Because obviously in Australia, I think Perth is a pretty good market. I think they would be quite successful. Um, Papua New Guinea, the Asia, or the Pacific region, region would be great. But then New Zealand, uh, rugby union, the dominant sport. But having a second team would definitely help things over there as well. So all the options are good. It'll be interesting to see which one they tend to go. Well, they they have to make a decision at some point, but it's probably not going to be for another four or five years. Anyway. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to make them any, any sooner. I think let let the dolphins breathe, let yeah. them grow a little bit. Yeah. Let's get because I think one th- one thing the AFL maybe made a misstep on was the Gold Coast Suns came in 2011, mm. and then the next year the Giants came in, yep. the US Giants, and that was always the plan all along. But mm. what you've seen is the US Giants be really successful, yep. make a grand final in their eighth season. Mm. Gold Coast Suns have never been in the finals and yep. they've sort of struggled a little bit. So let, let the, the new team breathe a little bit. Let them feel themselves in the competition. Let them get some more players. I know yeah. the Dolphins, look, they don't have the best roster. It's it's a it's a fine roster. I think I think it's more than able to not finish last. Mm. Uh, I think it will beat the Newcastle Knights <laughs> this year. Uh, if I'm, <laughs> I'm being really pessimistic. But um, I, I think there are, there are a few bad options in yeah. terms of an 18th team. Let's just hope they don't pick the bad options. Now, I, I, I think like Adelaide yeah, or no. like another another Sydney team would be dumb. I think another Queensland team wouldn't be great. Uh, I, I think Perth is a, is a really good shout. I think the I think the fact that we've taken Origin there for the past few years. Yeah. I think is a really smart idea. I think Optus Stadium it holds fifty thousand people. It's one of the best stadiums in the world. Yep, it makes sense. I don't think they'll go to Adelaide. I've been to a couple of rugby league games in Adelaide. It's a really good experience watching it at Adelaide Oval. But unless you're sitting with people that know the game, uh, I think the first game I went to, which was two thousand and seventeen, I think it was roughly around then. Uh, people in front of us were thinking it was NFL, not NRL. So, yeah, no, uh, uh, no, South Australians don't give a toss about it. No, they don't. League. Now, uh, tennis beginning uh, next week. Now, we know Nick Kyrgios, in fact, all of the Australians have been handed a pretty tough draw. Nick Kyrgios is looking like, if he gets through the first few rounds, uh, we playing Novak Djokovic in a quarterfinal, which will be very interesting to watch, uh, not just to you, but to our listeners as well. Are you on Team Nick? Do you want to see Nick go all the way over the next fortnight into the Australian Open final and win it, or do you not like him? Absolutely. He's an Australian. Of course I love him. I I love the way he goes about it. I'm I'm a massive fan of American sports, so I just love – and he's a typical American sport. He's like the Odell Beckham Jr. of tennis Yep. in the fact that he's an individual. Mm. He is fine. He's very opinionated. He's a bit hit or miss, and that's absolutely fine. If you don't like him, I get it. Mm. I think he's great. I think he's entertaining for the sport. Uh sometimes his tweets rub me off the wrong way. Yep. But I think the one the other day where, where, you know, after someone tweeted out that, you know, he'd sold out that exhibition game with Novak in less than an hour. He's like, oh, he's so bad for the sport. And I was like, that's funny. Mm. That's right. He's great for the sport. I think he adds a bit of flair. I think you always need those trailblazers that shake things up a bit. You know, you you need your Dennis Lillies in in a sport of cricket, which is traditionally very, you know, proper and formal. Mm. Um, 
and if it just if it gets anyone into tennis that not normally is like I know a lot of people that don't give a rat's about tennis, but they'll sit down and always watch Nick Kyrgios game mm. because at some point he'll blow up, he'll yep. smash a racket, he'll do something funny, he'll get the crowd involved. I thought the he he and Tanasi Kokonakis made doubles exciting again. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of doubles, but it's never been a draw card. It was much must watch TV last year. Mm. You could not take your eyes off it. It was. Yeah, so I'm I'm absolutely on the Kyrgios bus, and mm-hmm. he has it in him. I, I think no one was more happy than myself when he made the Wimbledon final, mm-hmm. and I, I honestly thought that he could he could win. Yeah. Uh, I think he got a set, didn't he? At least yeah, one he did, set, yeah. which, yep. which I think is great. You never want to be in a final and, and get, get, get swept. Yeah, yeah no. but so he got the set. He can do it. Yeah, uh, it's whether he wants to, which I kind of like as well. Yeah. I've look. I've always said, and I understand why people don't like him, but I've always said he is box office. Uh, he's very entertaining to watch. He's uh, when you watch him, it's very hard to switch off at all. So I and I look. I think he has a big chance if if he plays to his potential, which is always a, a big if. Final question before I let you go: Australian Open beginning Monday. Big Bash are getting into the final stages of their season. Which sport are you going to be watching more of over the next couple of weeks? Are you going to be flicking a bit, or is there one in particular you're more looking forward to than the other? I'll I'll know to be flicking. Yep. Um, because I love my sport. I'll, I'll flick the other. Mm. I'll, I'll, I will say I'll probably watch more tennis. Yep. Uh, and that is something I never thought I'd really say. <laughs> um, I, I I think last year it's really exciting. I think it's a really good time to get into tennis because it's not dominated by the big four or at least in the men's draw. And then on the women's side of thing, it's not dominated by, you know, Serena Williams or Maria Sharapova or, or those sort of characters. I think yeah. it's a really open field. Yeah. Anyone can win. Uh, yeah, Novak's back in it, but I I think the competition's sort of caught up to him yeah. a, a little bit given, yeah. given his time off away from the game. I think it's going to be a really exciting Australian Open. I think last year was excellent. Mm. And, yeah, so I, I think I'll definitely be watching – more Australian Open, but that's not to say I won't be watching the Big Bash. My problem is, uh, before I started this shift, I would always stay up all night uh, watching the tennis. I don't know how I'm going to do that. So you might be on standby if my alarm, if I sleep through my alarm a few times, because once you start, this is the problem with tennis. I reckon once you, and it's a good match. Once you start watching it, it's very hard to switch off. Yeah, it's it's compelling. I I, I sadly had to make that call for the the final last year. Mm. And I, I watched the end of the third set when Rafa at least won one. So yep. I was like, oh, he's won one. He's yep. going to lose. Yep. Ch- wake up at 3.30, check my f- check my phone straight away to see what the Australian Open was like. And, and uh, yeah, he, he won. He went a miracle comeback. And yeah. I had to lament the fact that I had to go to sleep. But that's all right. I stayed up and watched it. But I wasn't on this show at that point in time. So we'll see how the next two weeks unfold. Should be interesting. Charlie, great stuff. Go and make another toasty for James and Michael. Yeah, I am hungry too. I might make myself one too. <laughs> good, good plan, good plan. Charlie, good sir in the studio. We'll hear from him again next week. It is quarter past five, 0457 736 736 or 1300 011170, open line number. So, yeah, if you want to buy into any of that, the 18th team, we talked about a bit about it yesterday. Where would you like to uh, see that 18th team? Are you on Team Nick for the Australian Open? As I say, he is on a collision course to meet Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinal. Of course, they're playing that exhibition game uh, tonight as well. And we'll go through the draw for some of the other Australians as well. It's not uh, fantastic. It has to be uh, said. Are you on Team Nick or would you prefer uh, Nick not to do so well? He also uh, was announced yesterday that he's now one of the co-owners of the South East Melbourne Phoenix basketball team. What sporting franchise would you like to be part of? 
what sporting franchise, if you could, if you had the money, would you like to buy into? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 And straw poll this morning, which sport over the next couple of weeks are you going to be watching? Are you going to be watching more of the Australian Open or more of the Bigger Bash? 0457 736 736, our text number. You can call the open line 1300 01 1170. On the other side of this, we're going to cross to America, have a chat with Chris Perkins. It is 16 past five in New South Wales, 16 past four in Queensland. This is Tradies News in a nutshell for your Friday morning. Just sticking with tennis just for a second, Tanasi Kokonakis, uh, he's moved a step closer to defending his Adelaide International Crown last night, uh, winning his match against the world number 28. Uh, he ended up winning uh, it overall 6-3, 6-7, 4-7 uh, in the tiebreaker, then 6-1 at Memorial Drive. So he will now play world number 26, Roberto Batusta Agut, uh, a little later on today in the semi uh, final. Just in terms of his Australian Open draw, he learnt uh, late yesterday before that match he will face a world number 57, uh, Fabio Fagnini, in the first round. If he is to win that, he will then face world uh, former world number one, Andy Murray, in the second round if they both advance. So, tricky draw uh, for Ta- Tanasi Kokonakis, but showing some good form at the Adelaide International. And it is an interesting one as well, Nick Kyrgios uh, buying into uh, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix basketball team. What sporting franchise would you like to buy into? Is there is there a particular sporting franchise, if you had the money, you would love to buy into? Maybe Chris Perkins would love to buy into a team. He's on the line now from America. Good morning to you, Chris. Uh, yeah, just give me a small share of the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> now, how, how that, much? That's always. How, how much is a small that, that's share? That's always been uh, a 10% share. It'd probably be about. Uh, yeah, I don't, honestly don't devalue the St. Louis Blues because they've been sold in the last few years. I don't know what it would be today, but I, I've always said if I won like Mega Millions or the American Powerball jackpot, which by the way, Mega Millions mm. tomorrow night I think is one point three five billion dollars. Very nice. Um, but if I won that, yeah, I I would be uh, at least part of an ownership group somewhere. Have you brought yourself a ticket for tomorrow night? Not yet, uh, but yes, I will pay my idiot tax, excuse me, make my donation to the state of, uh, I think it'll be Nebraska tomorrow. That's where I'll be at tomorrow. You should, you should, of course, gamble responsibly. Now, uh, so posi- some positive news and very different to when we spoke, what, nine days ago, wasn't that long ago. Uh, Demar Hamlin has been released from hospital. Yeah, how about this? Uh, he was released over the weekend from University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he'd been since he collapsed on the field on Monday Night Football. Think of it this 10 days ago is how, how short of a time period we're talking mm. about. Uh, flew to Buffalo. He checked into a hospital there in Buffalo. They released him yesterday, sent him home. Uh, they ran tests that he's good to get out of here. So he is, he is at home continuing his recovery. Uh, by the way, the Buffalo Bills, they, they begin their playoff run. Sunday afternoon, they're in the 1 p.m. local uh, U.S. Eastern Time window on Sunday. They're playing the Miami Dolphins at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo. Uh, I'll make a bold prediction for you. Lamar Hamlin's going to lead the team out of the tunnel on Sunday. Can you imagine the reaction if that happens? He's not going to play. No. But he'll be in, you know, he'll be in his number three jersey, and he'll lead the team out onto the field. And I can't imagine – Buffalo not hanging a hundred on the Dolphins 
on, on Sunday if, if they're in that kind of atmosphere. And we saw what they did Sunday against New England, taking the opening kickoff back for a touchdown um, in, in their first play after the, that, that they had after DeMar Hamlin collapsed in Cincinnati the week before. Yeah, uh, if that did happen, that would be remarkable. But it is just, I saw some visual on uh, the news last night, just amazing, the recovery, and, and it is great. And I suppose the question will now be asked, and uh, it's not the most important question, but will he ever play again? Um, obviously, that might be a fair way down the track, but we saw, we spoke about it last week. We saw with Christian Eriksen, he collapsed uh, in the Euros mm. in 2021, uh, middle of 2021, back uh, playing for uh, Manchester United most recently. So you never know, do you, Chris? Yes. No, you never know. And, we, you know, we've seen other players over here. Chris Pronger's the example I always go back to. Uh, collapsing, getting hit in the chest with a puck in a playoff game, collapsing, having to have CPR performed on the ice. He missed one game. He played four days later mm. in a playoff hockey game. So, yeah, I mean, anything's possible. And, you know, we're, see, we've, we're seeing great news with him. And hopefully, with fingers crossed, we'll keep seeing good news. And maybe he's on the field week one next year. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, some related news along, yep. along those lines with Buffalo and that game that was canceled against Cincinnati. Of course, the NFL has made contingency plans uh, because that game had huge implications for the number one seed in the AFC, which still are in effect because Buffalo and Kansas City both won on Sunday. The NFL announced earlier today that the potential neutral site AFC championship game between Buffalo and Kansas City would be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta on uh, the the last Sunday of January. I think it's uh, January 29th is what it'll be, January 29th U.S. time. Uh, so that game would be in Atlanta. The reason for Atlanta, uh, Indianapolis would have been probably the first choice not available because of a volleyball tournament being held that weekend in downtown Indy. So they, they wanted something. I'm sure the thoughts were climate-controlled indoor stadium, kind of situated where it Ooh, we'll for, just, both, I know. For, for fans of both cities. Okay, going to be fans of both teams. Yeah, going to be very interesting. That all right? Big weekend coming up. What's the? What are we most ex- looking forward to? What are we most excited for in the weekend coming up, mate? I, six playoff games. You know, mm. uh, they start Saturday afternoon. Uh, the schedule goes two games on Saturday U.S. time, three mm. on Sunday, and even a Monday night playoff game for mm. the second straight year. Kicks off in uh, in Santa Clara. The Forty Niners take on the Seattle Seahawks. Frisco's a favorite in this game, but they cannot sleep on the Seahawks because they've had a great season, a much better season than expected with Geno Smith at quarterback and Brock Purdy, seventh-round rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, final pick of the draft. It'll be his first playoff game. So what happens when they see when he sees some adversity in a high-leverage situation? That's going to be the the question we may see answered come Saturday afternoon. You got Jacksonville hosting the LA Chargers Saturday night. You got Miami Buffalo, the Giants against Minnesota. Pick of the litter might be Baltimore and Cincinnati, the Sunday night game. Uh, uh, division rivals, two teams that really hate each other. And plus, they also just played this past Sunday in Cincinnati. They're doing it again this Sunday night. And then Tampa Bay and Dallas rounded out Monday night. 
um, with the wild card round uh, in Tampa. Potentially, and I put that old print, all caps, underscore in 72-point font, mm-hmm. uh, possibly Tom Brady's final game. Oh, well, that will be uh, that will be very interesting. Now, just turning to our attention to the sport uh, here in Australia, when we spoke this time last year, Chris, you were all over the Australian Open. I think from memory you predicted Ash Barty to win it. She did. So I need you to get your crystal ball out again. We're still, what, two and a, two and a bit weeks away from the final, or the two finals, but... Who, who on both sides, men and women's, who is going to win the Australian Open this year, Chris? Uh, women's side, I, I think it's about as easy as my pick last year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on the Ega bandwagon. Yep, yep. So I'll, I'll go chalk. I'll say Ega wins. Ega Shriatek, uh wins the wins the women's yep. side. Top seed, you can't go wrong with her. She has been dominant mm. uh, most of the past year in women's tennis. So uh, I I can't see anybody really challenging her. Of course, seven matches in two weeks, anything's possible. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the safe money there and, and go chalk with the top seed. Men's side, I'm very curious about. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back a dark horse here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And, and this one's probably coming out of left field, and it could very well me being being a uh, uh, pro wrestler Mick Foley and going for the cheap hometown crowd pop, but I'm going curious. You are going to curious. win the men's draw. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We know he made the Wimbledon final six or so months ago, and I saw him on the news. I was talking mm-hmm. to one of my uh, colleagues, Charlie Goodsir, on the air beforehand. It's just. <laughs> It's not, I suppose, of course he wants to win it. It's just if he can string another good two weeks in a row, like we saw with uh, the Wimbledon uh, Championships. Uh, Look, I think he's definitely got the potential to, whether he can or not. And I think the other thing that comes into it as well, and we've seen it for many years, Ash Barty, of course, uh, won it last year, thankfully. But before that, Leighton Hewitt is one that comes to mind that just couldn't quite get over the line in his home Grand Slam. We'll see if Nick Kyrgios can break that drought. And it would be interesting to see as well, Chris, as I let you go, it'll be interesting to see if he does go deep into the tournament, if he makes the final, what the public sentiment around him in Australia will be like because he does divide people, as you'd probably know. So it'll be interesting to see if he does go deep into that second week uh, into the final, if uh, people just change their opinion a bit. Uh, Chris, great stuff. Uh, Let's see if those predictions come right over the next couple of weeks and we'll chat again on Tuesday. Yeah, there's a po- there's a great possibility my curious prediction blows up in my face <laughs> by about Tuesday next week. Could well be. I don't uh, know if he's scheduled. We'll yeah, I don't know if he's scheduled to play Monday or Tuesday, but he could have already lost. Uh, thank you, Chris. We'll speak next week. Have, have a good weekend. Thank you. You too, Chris Perkins in America. Yeah, are you on Team Nick for the Australian Open? Do you want him to do well? Uh, look, as I said with Charlie, I think he's box office. I think he's going to be uh, great to watch. Um, and what sporting franchise would you? Uh, would you like to invest in if you could? If you had the money, what sporting franchise would you like to invest in? 0457 736 736 or 1300 A few texts there. I'll get to them shortly. Uh, and on the way to the break, Cronulla's 2016 grand final hero, Michael Innes. He is returning home to Shark Park after quitting his coaching consultancy role at the Parramatta Eels. The Fox Sports star has accepted an offer from coach Craig Fitzgibbon to oversee pathways development at the club's elite junior academy from 13 to 20 to 20 year olds 
He said last, uh, well, he started in the role last week and he said it felt so nice to have the Sharks shirt on again and driving th- through the gates. I got really excited about it when Fitzy rang, uh, to re- uh, rang me to ask to return to the club that is so special to me. I'm really passionate about Junior Pathways and my job will be to ensure the Sharks youngsters have a healthy environment. I love watching and helping kids chasing their NRL dreams. So, of course, 2016 grand final hero Michael Innes back involved with the Cronulla Sharks and a good pickup for the Sharks. 0457 736 736 is our text number. You can call the open line 1300 011170. Break and back with more. 23-6, in Queensland to John Gallo in just a sec. Just a text from Jason, and there's a few there. I'll get to them after we speak to John. But just this one. Uh, Dan, do you think the Melbourne Storm are any chance of signing a former Wallabies and England Rugby Union coach, Eddie Jones, to be our coach in the future? Uh, it's an interesting one. I don't know about the Melbourne Storm signing Eddie Jones, although we don't know uh, what's happening with Craig Bellamy after this year, and that seems to be... Uh, basically a year-on-year thing, uh, whether he decides to stay or not. But hasn't Eddie Jones's name been mentioned quite a few times over the past 12 or, 18, or 12 or 18 months in rugby league circles? Uh, a lot of talk about South Sydney, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And we know he's been let go from uh, the England Rugby Union coaching job over the past couple of months as well. So, yeah, he's always said that he'd be keen to coach in rugby league. He, he, I think he wouldn't be the worst coach. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any more news around Eddie Jones uh, this year once we no doubt get some coaches uh, in some uh, under some pressure and probably you'd have to say at some point throughout the year one coach will go. It's, the, the whole conversation's got a bit quiet recently, but good text, Jason. Keep them coming in, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170 with uh, more of your texts in a moment. But before that, let's talk EPL, all things football, a bit of A-League as well. Uh, thanks to Makita. This season, Makita helps you rule the outdoors. John Gallo is on the line. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Ben. How are things? Uh, very, very well. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I didn't mention to you off air, but I'm sure you'll be across it, is Gareth Bale, just after we spoke on Tuesday morning, announced his uh, retirement. Great career. Um, and I know having been over there just for in England and around the UK for the World Cup a couple of months ago, a lot of the talk about Wales was about Gareth Bale. Yeah, look, sensational player, sensational career. Won everything when he moved over to to Real Madrid, which was his main reason for for moving over. And uh, I think at the time, for memory, it was around about a hundred million pound move. Uh, and we're going back what you know five to eight years ago, somewhere around that time frame. So it was quite a while. And the hundred million pound move, even back then, was such huge money. Um, and there's a lot of talk about it at the time for moving away from Spurs and going to Real Madrid. Would he start? Would he play regularly? Eventually, you know, as it turned out, he didn't play a whole lot, to be honest, uh, at Real Madrid. But when he did play, he was a big difference uh, in in a team. And um, I always remember his uh, his goal in the Copa del Rey final against Barcelona in the 93rd minute stoppage time. He pretty much ran from the 18-yard box to the uh, Barcelona goal and scored a goal all on his own, which ended up being the winning goal. Um, and he hadn't played a whole lot of football that time for Real Madrid because of injuries and, and whatnot. I think he fell out of favour with a few of the different managers that came through at Real Madrid at the time. Uh, but what a sensational player. And I think he was a big difference early on for Spurs. I don't think Spurs would have been as successful without Gareth Bale. And I have to say, I think when you think about some of the best players that come out of Wales, I think Wales uh, has been a great footballing nation for many, many years. But Gareth Bale would probably top the list. 
of so many uh, great young Welsh footballers coming out of that country. Mm. Obviously, along with Ryan Giggs, the former Man United player, comes to mind as well. But I think Gareth Bale's success and his difference at Spurs as well as Real Madrid when he came into those two teams was sensational. So uh, a, a, good, a great career. Some would say it was a bit of a half-cup, you know, empty approach because he probably... Uh, could have you know, fulfilled his potential more had he played a bit more and probably had a bit more passion towards football. But in the end, he turned to golf. Um, but in the end, that's, that's football sometimes. But he's definitely had a, a great career in terms of winning trophies and being a, a great player for, for Spurs and for Real Madrid over many years. All right, let's uh, fly through these EPL games after a week off, after a lot of interesting FA Cup games. Uh, it all begins actually this morning at 7am, 6am Queensland time. Fulham will host Chelsea, who are under pressure themselves. Yeah, the uh, the West London derby between Fulham and Chelsea. Great uh, history between both these teams. And whenever they do come together, the uh, the form and the ladder position kind of goes out the window a little bit because there's a lot of rivalry there and a lot of history, as I said. And I think for, for Chelsea, they're coming into this derby for the first time in many years that I don't think they're actually going to be favourites to win. Mm. Um, not to say that Fulham will be favourites as well, but I think it's, it's looking likely to be a draw, to be honest, is my tip. I think Chelsea at the moment, with the amount of injuries they've been hit with since the start of the season, to be honest, no Bomiang, Fafana's been out, um, obviously still missing uh, Sterling at times, and, uh, and obviously Borgia at the back, the centre-back, has been out from injury as well. Ben Chilwell as well, Rhys James, another player. All those massive injuries that Chelsea have got I think this is a great time for Fulham to, to face Chelsea. The only problem with Fulham at the moment is they're missing their main man, Mitrovic, up front. He's out due to suspension. Um, but I still think they've got the talent and the uh, and the finesse to, to really trouble Chelsea today. But I'm going to expect a draw. I think it'll be a great game of football between both these sides. And for Graham Potter, he's going to be a man under pressure, as we spoke about last time I was on the show. And I think it's going to be a really interesting battle, but I do favour a draw to be uh, to be the result out of these two two teams. All right, tomorrow at seven a.m. Aston Villa Leeds United. Yeah, big game again for, for similar reasons. I think for for Leeds, particularly Jesse Marsh, they're sitting as high up as seventeenth, uh, sorry, as fourteenth on the ladder with seventeen points, which makes them only two points away from relegation. So whilst they're fourteenth on the ladder, they're still not completely out of the uh, the relegation dogfight. So. If they were to lose this game against Villa, they would easily find themselves back down to that relegation mix. And that's a place, obviously, Jesse Marsh doesn't want to be in. So a huge game for, for Leeds United and for Villa as well, to be honest. You know, Emery's still trying to get some consistency out of this team. But uh, if he can get a result here against Leeds, I think it will do him the world of good. So big, big game. I expect a draw. Always a huge game tomorrow night, 11.30pm, the Manchester Derby. A Man United at Old Trafford up against Man City. Yeah, well, this is probably the first time in probably four or five seasons that I can remember where, probably longer than that, uh, that Man United have actually come to the table now and been a real competitive force uh, in this Manchester derby. Previously to that, I think Man City were just far, far too dominant, as expected. But right now, with United's form, they're coming into this one with four games on the trot with a win, uh, whereas City have lost the last game a couple of weeks ago. They had a draw two weeks ago against Everton as well. So they've been stumbling a little bit, Man City. This might be a good time for Man United to, to face them, uh, but a big game. It's, it's never an easy you know, proposition to try and face this Man City side, that's for sure. But I'm going to I'm going slightly lead towards City. I just think in the big moments, they'll be too good. All right, a host of games at 2 a.m. Uh, Sydney time, 1 a.m. at Queensland time on Sunday morning. I'll just get you quick tips for some of these. Wolves taking on West Ham. I'm going to go with West Ham. I expect West Ham to bounce back. Moyes is under pressure at the moment. They are in around the relegation zone. 
He'll be desperate for three points. I think West Ham. All right, Nottingham Forest will host a Leicester City. Expecting Leicester City to get back to winning ways. Uh, Nottingham been you know struggling all season long, really. Um, Steve Cooper is the manager under under pressure again. I think uh, Leicester will be too good. This game interesting. Brighton hosting an up and down Liverpool team this year. Yes, well, I, I, this is one of the times again. Similarly, I, I think going into this game, Liverpool are, are probably not going to be the outright favourites in a lot mm. of people's eyes. They've been stumbling along. They lost their last game. Been fairly unconvincing all season long. I think there's a lot of pressure around Liverpool at the moment. I think Brighton at the moment are going to be a, a tough proposition to play. I expect Brighton to get the win. Brighton. Okay. Well, it wouldn't. Yeah, not overly surprising the way Liverpool have been uh, playing. You just don't know with Liverpool what they're going to uh, do. Do you? Uh, Everton will play Southampton also two a.m. Sunday morning. Yeah, big game again for Frank Lampard to try and uh, rescue his season, rescue his job if he can. Um, Southampton are sitting bottom of the table, so you know they haven't been doing too well themselves. I expect Everton to get the win. I think their being at home will be a big, big factor. All right. At 4.30 a.m. Sunday morning, a host of games overnight Saturday into Sunday. Brentford up against Bournemouth. I'm going to lean towards Brentford. I think Thomas Frank has done a great job there so far this season. He's had a few scouts along the way with some of the biggest sides. Um, so I expect Brentford to, to get all three points. I thought I uh, misread this, but no. Back in action, Monday, 6th, uh, 16th at 1am. Chelsea, once again, they will host Crystal Palace. Poor old Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, Graham Potter, imagine how he feels. Yeah, I know. Thinking, Give me a break. Somebody <laughs> can't get a break inside the club. They can't get a break through the EPL fixture list. Uh, no, there's a lot of pressure mounting on him at the moment. So this will be a big game. If, if they get out of the with, with a Fulham with a victory, then maybe against Palace, they'll come in with a lot of confidence. Being at home at Stamford Bridge is obviously going to do them the world of good. I expect Chelsea to be too good for, for Palace. All right. Uh, 1 a.m. also Monday morning, Newcastle up against Fulham. Yeah, big game. These two teams have been performing really, really well. Third versus seventh, uh, Newcastle United in the, in the mix in the last, uh, you know, last what, four or five months of the season. They've had two back-to-back draws. I think they'll be back to winning ways against Fulham. Um, and also uh, one of the bigger games on the weekend, uh, the last game of the weekend, Monday morning, 3.30 a.m., Tottenham up against Arsenal. Yeah, the North London derby is a huge one. I'm really looking forward to seeing how uh, both these teams fare. Again, Conte, a man under pressure a little bit as well, been getting criticism from his own Spurs fans. Haven't been too pleased with him this season, but uh, Mikel Arteta is getting all the praise at the moment. They're coming into this game undefeated Arsenal, four wins and one draw. Uh, whereas Spurs have had two losses and a draw um, in the last five games. And I think for them, I think you have to go with Arsenal. They've been so, so polished in their performances. Um, the likes of Martinelli and Bakuya Saka have both stepped up since Gabriel Jesus has been out injured. Martin Odegaard, again, has been fantastic in that midfield. Xhaka leading the way as well. Um, and I think also Ben White at fullback has been a huge difference for them. So I think Arsenal will be, will be too good for Spurs. I expect it to be 2 0 to be the result. And I see uh, today uh, in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, reporting that the Matildas' first uh, World Cup opener, first game, their opening against Ireland, is set to be shifted from Allianz Stadium to a core stadium, which has uh, the backing of the FIFA president as well. Uh, the initial batch of tickets for Allianz sold out almost instantly. 
but of course, 88, oh, sorry, 83,500 seat capacity will mean almost 40,000 more people will be given uh, the opportunity to go that on July 20. Not surprising considering uh, the interest in it, and of course, a lot of Irish over here as well. So I think that is a very smart move to be moving that from a very good stadium, an Allianz Stadium, but uh, you want to get more people in. So I think that's a very smart idea. John, enjoy the football over the course of the weekend, and I look forward to speaking to you on Tuesday, and we'll wrap it all up. Okay, mate. We'll uh, speak soon. Have a good weekend. You too, mate. You too. John Gallo on the line talking football uh, for you as he does each Tuesday morning and each Friday morning. And he'll be back with me next week as well. 0457 736 736 is the text number. 1300 01 the open line. Let's do a quick Big Bash update uh, for you for the Isuzu D-Max. Live your own way in the seven-seat Isuzu MUX. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Uh, pretty easy win in the end for the Melbourne Stars last night. There was a six off the first ball of the match for the Adelaide Strikers. That was about it uh, because uh, in there, they didn't even last 20 overs. 19.2 overs all out for 108. Uh, the Stars winning with 33 balls left um, and by nine wickets. Uh, easy win in the end for them. So well done to the Melbourne Stars. Tonight at 6.30pm, we've got the Sydney Thunder up against the Perth Scorchers. Sydney Thunder up against the Perth Scorchers. We'll take a break, come back with uh, your texts, and we'll wrap it all up not too long before breakfast coming up as well with James Magnuson and Michael Karianis. Break back with more. This is Tradies News in a Nutshell. The Afghanistan Cricket Board has slammed Cricket Australia's pathetic decision, that's what they call it, to withdraw from March's three one-day series in the United Arab Emirates, threatening to contact the International Cricket Council and prohibit Afghan players from participating in the Big Bash League. Uh, yesterday, Cricket Australia announced its decision to pull out of the white ball series in response to the Taliban's treatment of women. Uh, they consulted relevant stakeholders and the Australian government before withdrawing from the series, a decision that did not resonate well with Afghanistan's cricket stars, including Adelaide strikers leg spinner Rashid Khan. Uh, he put out a statement uh, tweeting yesterday, I'm really disappointed to hear that Australia have pulled out of the series to play us in March. I take great pride in representing my country and we have made great progress on the world stage. This decision from Cricket Australia sets us back on that journey. If playing versus Afghanistan is so uncomfortable for Australia, then I wouldn't want to make anyone uncomfortable with my presence in the Big Bash League. Uh, so that is the response from Rashid Khan on the decision for Australia not to play Afghanistan. Uh, finishing off with a text, this one from Nathan uh, says, I think Michael Winners to the Sharks is a no-brainer. Not only did he used to play for them, but he lives in the area. Uh, his two sons play for De La Salle across the road, and he has seen the juniors very well up close and personal. Yeah, I agree with you, Nathan. I think it's a very, very good idea uh, for Michael Winners to be back at the Sharks as he is in that role. Thank you for your text. Thank you for all your text throughout the course of the week. Coming up on Breakfast with James Magnuson and Michael Karianis, uh, Andrew Ryan, Bulldogs great, will join them. And also the Sydney Kings uh, CEO, Sydney Kings owner, Paul Smith on the line as well. That's all after the news at 6am, 5am in Queensland with James Magnuson and Michael Karianis. Have a great weekend. I'll catch you back here Tuesday morning from 5am.